What is going on, everybody? We are back with another Hidden Falls Media Experience episode. Today, I'm joined by Tiffany Toombs. But before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you of the fee. We don't run ads. I don't sell you some BS course that you don't need. We don't try to pitch you 100 different products on the show. This is simply here to provide you value. But with that, our guests are on here for free. We actually lose money on the show, but it's here to provide you value and give you that extra level of juice that's going to drive and thrive your business forward more. So if you found a nugget of wisdom, you found any level of insight, or you just enjoyed listening to Tiffany and I talk about psychology and neuroscience and NLP for the next little bit, please leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Not just helps us get ranked, but it also helps elevate our incredible guests who graciously give us their time, energy, and expertise. Today's guest is Tiffany Toombs. She is a contributor of Entrepreneur. She is a mindset pre-programmer and reprogrammer. She has been featured in CBS Entrepreneur, Forbes, Fox, ABC, and NBC News. Tiffany, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. So let's break down. I kind of gave a little bit of a hint and a teaser. What is NLP? So NLP is probably most well-known as the thing that Tony Robbins does. It's the thing that Tony Robbins is trained in, though there's a lot of influencers who use it. And it stands for neuro-linguistic programming, which basically means it's a look at how the brain works, how our belief systems and our emotions combine with our linguistics, which is the words that we use in our internal dialogue. So when we're thinking and then when we're communicating with others, to ultimately create our programming, which is our behaviors, our habits, uh, the actions that we do or don't take, which ultimately creates our reality. Very cool. Where do we see this play out in our daily lives most commonly? Uh, it is it is everywhere. And I, I've kind of been joking for all of 2020 that 2020 has been like NLP on steroids in watching it play out. So NLP can be used for good and for evil, just like anything that goes on because it is about understanding the power of influence and it's an election year. It doesn't matter which side of the political fence you're on. We've been seeing NLP play out there in media headlines, in um, both candidates giving their, you know, their talks this year about what voters should and shouldn't do. And then it plays out in our daily lives, in our internal dialogue. We have 1,500 words per minute that pass through our head. And what people don't understand is that the words that we choose in that internal dialogue create our reality. And same with when we're talking to people. So two of the most important words that people need to pay attention to are the words I am, and then whatever comes after that. So the way that the brain is programmed is that when we communicate something through our thoughts or verbally communicating to somebody else like I am with you now, that gets turned into a picture. So everything that you and I talk about on this episode, the listeners will get a picture in their mind. So right now they might have a picture in their mind of a picture in their mind. And then whatever that picture is that gets into the unconscious mind, the unconscious mind naturally seeks more of. Now, because we also have this biological wiring called a negative bias, where we find it easier to see the negative side of the coin as opposed to the positive side of the coin, we tend to communicate in a very negative way, right? So we hear people talking about, I'm broke, or 
I'm overweight or don't let me forget to do this. And what they're actually doing is they're telling themselves that they're to stay broke. So they're see, they, they create this, um, this filter in their mind to find more opportunities to stay broke or to stay overweight or to forget whatever it is that they actually wanted to remember. So that's another way that we see it playing out in our life. Before we hit the record button, you were talking about mirror neurons, which is basically when we see somebody experiencing an emotion, we experience it, right? So mm-hmm. we're recording this at Christmas time. Lots of women watching Hallmark movies. My husband says to me all the time, you know what is going to happen in this movie. Why do you watch it? And I'm like, you know what? In 2020, more than ever, we all need just like a little <laughs> bit of feel good love. So, you know, when you see on the screen two people falling in love, it doesn't matter that you know that it's scripted and whatever else. You see them displaying that emotion and then we feel it inside of us because of these mirror neurons. So NLP really shows up in every area of our life. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing it with people because like, honestly, I feel like it should be part of the basics that we learn in school because it does set up our life and it does set up our reality. And we talk, when we talk about the haves and the have nots or the people who succeed and the people who don't, Ultimately, it's an understanding of NLP or the way that the mind works that allows those people to go on and have huge levels of success that some people can only dream about. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And one of the common themes I've noticed with being around very high performers, both in the entrepreneurship world, athletic world, and other levels of influence, they all, they all understand to a degree that they're doing this. Whether or not they call it, NLP, they're call, they're, they understand that they went through a structure change, that they almost felt like they could take different sets of glasses as to how they perceive their reality off and put mm-hmm. on different ones for different situations. We hear other people say, well, well, now I'm putting on my CEO hat, or now I'm putting on my dad hat, or now I'm putting on somebody else's personality to kind of move through this, and I'm associating my identity with that. I think a lot about um, Charlie Rocket and reinventing his idea of now he's CEO Charlie, but now he, but before that he was music Charlie, right? And playing these different roles out in our lives and how that's worked for him to become so successful is using a lot of these techniques. And you said Tony Robbins is a great example of this too. I mean, look what that man's been able to accomplish in his lifetime. He's one of the most well-influential people in the world and he's teaching basic psychology to the masses. Yeah, and I mean, it. what we're taught in school kind of goes against our basic programming. Like so many people have this fear of success or this fear of failure or just this fear in general. And I really believe that that starts in school where we're programmed that if you fail once, right, if you fail a test, you get in trouble from the teacher, you're probably going to be looked at negatively by your peers. You then have to take the test home to get signed by your parents, which is another layer of getting in trouble. And so we learn to catastrophize failure at a very young age. And then that becomes the filter through which we see failure for the rest of our life. We need to understand that what happens between those ages of zero and seven are incredibly important because that is when the like 95% of the belief systems that we have as adults are formed. And so a lot of the work that I do with entrepreneurs and high performers is actually going back to those ages of zero to seven 
and rewiring those circuits in the brain that they developed as a result of somebody else, right? Mm. You know, mom and dad talking about how you have to work hard to make money. And what that does is it sets the filters in your mind to only see opportunities to make money that are hard. Anything that's passive, anything that's easy or simple or aligned with what you're passionate about, anything that feels fun, all of a sudden that becomes something that we that we don't see an opportunity for. This is also why when entrepreneurs are going from this entrepreneur, solopreneur space into CEO, they really struggle to delegate because that's easy, right? I know when we first hired a cleaner to come in and clean our house because I said, well, if I'm working 40 or 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, whatever it happens to be in my business, I don't want to spend the other time cleaning. I would rather spend time with my husband. I'd rather spend time with my friends. Like I have a lot of childhood memories, Saturday mornings, like scrubbing the bathtub. And that's not what I want for my future children. And the thing my dad said to me was, this isn't the way that I raised you. And I said, I understand that that's your belief system, but it doesn't have to be mine. And it took me a long time to get over this belief that if I hired somebody to do the work that I didn't want to do, or I delegated out, that I wasn't being lazy, that it just wasn't a priority for me and being okay with that. But these beliefs, so many people don't realize come from the ages of zero to seven and still impact them in their adult life when they're looking to run a business. Yeah, one of the one of the hardest transitions for me personally is that exact path of I transitioning out of the solopreneur into the CEO role more and being able to delegate, but one of the best ways it was described to me as why are you fighting or why are you why are you worried and stressing about a 7 or 8 dollar an hour problem when you charge this much amount, like the data is just not adding up, right? Like you're, you're claiming that you can solve these dot, this X, X equals this dollar amount of problem, but you're worried about doing video editing, or you're worried about sending out a blog post, or you're worried about doing X, Y, Z, which is a minimum wage problem to handle. And it's mm-hmm. kind of that same idea of flipping that script, right? Of saying, this is not a problem not that I can't do it or I'm not capable of doing it, but looking at what's going to serve me to grow further ahead, this problem isn't worth that time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and when we start to flip the script and figure out how else can I look at this? And that that's one of the most powerful questions in NLP is instead of saying I can't, or I don't know how asking the question of how, Right. What one question, the I don't know, I can't, I don't have time, I don't have the money that just closes off the mind. And our unconscious mind has access to infinite more information than our conscious mind and our intellect do. So to to give numbers to it, our unconscious mind takes in two million pieces of information per second. So that that was 10 million pieces of information that got stored in the mind when I said that sentence where the conscious mind is only 134 pieces of information per second. So if we start to ask the question of how, the unconscious mind, which loves doing puzzles, it loves putting those pieces together, will start to look for ways to make that happen. So when we start to tap into that power, so much more information becomes available to us. So when I started asking myself that, how else can I look at this delegating? What I saw was, 
well, I started a business to change people's lives. And yes, I'm changing people's lives by helping them step into their purpose and into their potential. But I can also change people's lives by hiring people and giving them a job, right? So the person who cleans my house, the person who delivers, who does my grocery shopping and delivers it, my virtual assistant, my video editor, our funnel builders, now they all have full-time incomes or you know, they have an income that allows them to feed their own families and provide more opportunities for their own families, right? My virtual assistant lives in Venezuela and we talk regularly about the, the conditions that he lives in and how he wants to move to Spain to be with his sister and, and to not have to live in those oppressive conditions. And so we've set up a plan to be able to help him and fund that move so that he can create the life that he wants. And ultimately that's what entrepreneurship's about. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. One of the things you brought up without necessarily calling that is talking about the RAS system and it's not somewhere I thought we would go, but uh, you're talking about in relation to what the unconscious mind is picking up and storing in as far as data and what gets stored versus what doesn't is filtered through that reticular activating system. Can you go through a little bit of that? Because I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but for mm. people that are in some of like my closed Facebook groups, we've def- we've gone deep into a lot of these topics. Yeah. So the reticular activating system or the RAS is like the world's most advanced GPS or homing device. So when I, when I mentioned earlier that when we get that picture in our mind, our unconscious mind goes and seeks more of that thing, it's the reticular activating system. And so it seeks the fastest and the easiest route to achieving whatever the picture is in our mind that we put there. And repetition matters, right? So this is where positive affirmations go wrong for most people. When I first met my husband, he was diagnosed with ADD when he was in school. I'm pretty sure it's just that he's like very high intelligence and school Mm -hmm. didn't stimulate him like most entrepreneurs. Um, But he had this belief that he was ADD. So he'd get up every morning. He would do his positive affirmations. I am focused. I pay attention to detail. And then he would have like 10 sales calls that day. And he had worked it into his script to make a joke about how he was easily distracted or had blue squirrel moments. And I would listen to him making these comments 10 times a day. And he came to me a couple months into our relationship. And he's like, you know, I know you teach positive affirmations and stuff, but I kind of think they're BS because it just doesn't work. Like my ADD is like worse than it's ever been. And I was like, because that's what you're focusing most of your day on, Mm. right? If you're only doing positive affirmations once a day, I am rich, I am abundant, I am a millionaire, but then you spend the rest of your day telling yourself multiple times how broke you are or how you can't afford something, then that's what your mind is going to go to. And this is where I'm so passionate about sharing this information is because When people start to understand this and flip their language, life changes really, really quickly. The other thing that people do is they don't set specific goals, right? So Mm -hmm. heading into the new year, if you're setting goals of, I want to make more money. Well, if you walk outside and you find a penny on the ground, your reticular activating system goes, well, we'll check that one off the list because you weren't specific about what money you wanted. And that's why vision boards and things are so powerful is because it puts the specific picture. I love it. I've got mine on the back of my phone. I've got one in my bedroom and then I've got one on the back of my phone so that every time 
my phone lights up with a notification, I'm seeing my vision board, right? I get that constant repetition. And it's because we're putting the exact picture of what we want into our mind. So our reticular activating system knows what to seek out. One of the things I've noticed that's really helped with mine is that I move it around my office. So that way my brain sees something new constantly. And it's, even though I know I put it there, it's still, it's novel because I don't want to train my brain to see that it's in the same spot every day and then forget about it. Yeah, because part of that, like going from the 2 million to 134 is that we delete information. Yeah. Right. So if anybody has ever had the experience where you walk into a room and somebody is wearing a really strong cologne or perfume, you'll smell it for the first couple minutes and then the the smell will go away. And it's not that the par- the perfume particles aren't in the air anymore. They are. It's just that our brain stops registering them. So that's part of the deletion. So that's a great idea is to move it around. Uh, if you do have it on the back of your phone, like change it up once a month, move the pictures around on the vision board so that it looks different. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I didn't think we'd go down that, but that's a really cool. Uh, I love talking about the RAS because it's so powerful. And once you start to understand that these things are happening for us and not to us, and we are in control of what's happening around us more than we're not in control of it, it really opens up all the realm of possibility. And this essentially becomes almost like a video game for a lot of people once they start to kind of open their mind and be like, oh, it's just a game of skill acquisition and starting to essentially build my own avatar of how I want to build and develop my life in these areas. And here's the outcome that's associated with it. I love one of Ed Milet's quotes around this is that entrepreneurship is the greatest journey of uh, personal development with a really awesome severance package on the, on the end of it. Yeah, that's totally true. And just to kind of share how the RAS creates our reality. When I was first starting my personal development NLP journey, I was working at a business. uh, I was managing somebody else's business. I was making maybe $60,000 a year. And I thought at that time, I thought a lot smaller, but I thought if I could just make $80,000 a year. So if I could add a side hustle with 20 grand, then I'd be making it rain. And yeah, I was like, yes, 80 grand a year. That's amazing. Now, at 60 grand a year, I was making what my parents combined had made growing up. Oh, wow. I come from a very like scarcity mindset family, like a very lower middle class money. People who have money are greedy and evil. You have to work hard to make money. Money doesn't, you know, we don't need money. That's like the most common thing I hear my family say, we don't need money. Right. And so I was just like, I I felt myself bumping up against this ceiling of if I make more money, my family is going to start to judge me and Mm. it's going to damage my relationship. So because I had all these beliefs around money, I was looking for a side hustle to make an extra 20 grand a year. And I found some opportunities. And my personal belief is this is why most people don't, MLMs don't work out for them is because they don't work on the money beliefs first. Because the first thing I did was get into an MLM. And I was doing all the work, doing everything right. And I made my first $30 and I stopped completely doing everything. As soon as I started to see that this thing could make me money, I completely stopped taking action. And so whatever people want to think about MLMs, that's fine. But I honestly think that the reason most people don't have success in it is because they don't work on the money belief side of things first. So that happened at the same time as I'm looking out at all these like super complicated business consulting models and whatnot. 
I had a gym approach me. I was in the fitness industry at the time, had a gym approach me and they said, we really want you to come on to our board of directors and be the director of education and handle an internship program and like upskill um, our universities, our university interns. And they were like, we're going to pay you 60 grand a year. And I was like, you guys can't be serious. And I didn't take this job offer seriously. I just kept saying, well, I've never been on a board of directors. I wouldn't know what to do. So like you, you guys are just stop pulling my leg. Right. And then as soon as I worked on my limiting beliefs, I realized that they were actually serious. They had asked me multiple times at this point and I had just kept like (laughs) laughing it off uh, because it was, wasn't just going to give me that extra 20 grand. It was going to double my income. Right. Mm. And so it wasn't until I worked on that money belief that my reality totally changed. And so that's how quickly things can change when you actually start working on the limiting beliefs that the reticular activating system is holding on to. Have you ever read the book, The Alchemist? I haven't. It is on my list. That one's really good. And I think there's a part in the book where he's talking about the fact that life gives us these omens or these opportunities. And it's really laying into the idea of beginners, beginners luck, but also that life is that life gives us the opportunity to take what he calls these positive omens or negative omens and run with them. And that eventually, if we stop paying attention to them, when they come up in our lives, that eventually they just stop showing up. So when I was hearing you talk about that, that's one of the first things that popped into my head was that that omen was coming to you and was keep it kept knocking at the door, right? That opportunity was there and it kept showing up until finally the brain clicked and was like, Oh, like I'm supposed to be paying attention to this. And (laughs) it's funny because I think we all see that I've definitely seen them in my life where it's like, how did I not see that opportunity right in front of my face for so long? It's just, it pulls back to the RAS. It wasn't filtering in that data to be able to look for it. Yeah. I actually, I had this conversation with a client this week as well. I'm a big believer in journaling and meditation and asking your own unconscious mind questions and then just being open to the answer. Right. And I think 2020 has given us the gift of like silence and solitude where we were locked in, didn't have our usual distractions other than social media. And so we had to start listening to ourselves. And my personal belief is that dis-ease happens when we stop listening to the unconscious mind and we have this lack of rapport within ourselves where the unconscious mind says, you know, I've, I've been trying to give you all these signs. I've been showing you, you know, the red flags for the toxic people in your life. I've been pointing you down the direction you should take and you're just not listening. So I'm just not going to give you any answers anymore. And so one of the things that I work with my clients on is that we have to actually reconnect people. We have to build that trust between the conscious and unconscious mind again, so that they can really tap into their own powers of creativity and innovation, because we all have that ability. It's just whether or not we've suppressed it for so long that it's given up trying to talk to us. What are some of the questions we should be asking our subconscious mind? Um, If you're just starting asking, you know, how do I feel about this? How can I achieve this goal? How, what, what do I need to do differently in my life? One of the things that I've been telling my clients to do moving into 2021 is to really get a a visual image of the best version of themselves in 2021. And then to choose three or four words that describe that best version of themselves. 
And then to ask themselves, what are the habits that that best version of me has and start doing those habits now, right? A lot of people talk about, well, I'll wait until I become a millionaire to join the 5am club. Well, Michael Jordan didn't wait until he had like five championship rings to start (laughs) acting like the greatest basketball player. In fact, it was when he got cut from his high school basketball team that he decided to make the change and started through shooting the hundred free throws a night. Right. And so we actually have to start training like we have the lifestyle or the finances or the career that we want well before we get it. So how can you create habits now that will make you that person faster as opposed to waiting until you get there? That's really, really good. (laughs) It's so good. Everybody should just stop, rewind for like the last five minutes and hit that section like four and, until it sticks. Let's just say that until that message just is permanently concreted inside the brain, they should go back and listen to that over and over again. One of the last questions I have for you is what's the power of visualization and how can we begin to implement this into our lives? So it's not just the buzz of, oh, I'm going to try to visualize a few times and then I'm just going to not do it anymore because I didn't see the results. How do we actually make visualization part of our daily routine? So visualization is super powerful for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, the unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between fiction and reality. So a lot of people talk about, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, all the unconscious mind needs to be convinced that something is possible is to see it in the mind. So I think it was Walt Disney, might've been Henry Ford, somebody smart from, you know, (laughs) the early 1990s uh, or 1900s said that if you can imagine it, then you can, if you can conceive it, you can achieve it right? So that's true. If you can see it in your mind, your unconscious mind is already convinced that it can happen. You just have to commit consciously and start taking daily actions towards that. The other thing is that when we have a thought, our body releases a hormone and that hormone then causes us to experience an emotion and a feeling. And that feeling causes us to have more thoughts. So if we wake up every day and we're looking at our schedule and we're like, I have so much to do today. I'm so stressed out going into that state of overwhelm. We're going to release stress hormones, which means we feel stressed and anxious. And then that creates more thoughts of what we can be stressed and anxious about what visualization does when it's done properly. So visualizing the day that you want, right? Visualizing yourself achieving that goal visualizing where you want to go and really feeling the emotions that come with that, feeling the excitement, feeling that sense of pride and being proud of yourself for your achievement, feeling the gratitude, feeling the inspiration. That's going to release endorphins, specifically dopamine. And dopamine is a hormone It's basically our reward hormone. It's what most people with addictions seek, right? People with social media addictions, uh, sex addictions, workout addictions, workaholic addictions, cocaine, ecstasy, all of that mimics the dopamine system. The the, The release of dopamine has been what has progressed mankind from cavemen to where we are now. That it, so it is one of our strongest biological drivers. So when we are producing dopamine and the other endorphins over stress hormones, it actually elevates the vibrational frequency that we put out. And this is all 100% science, not like woo woo hippie stuff. This has been studied by people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, the Heart Math Institute, 
they have found that the hormones that our body is producing causes a variation in the, the vibration of our heart. So it's like our heart's beating to pump blood, but we also get these micro vibrations in between beats and that sends out a frequency. Now that frequency is picked up by other people's hearts. And because we are naturally tribal animals, the people that we are around we seek to align our energy with theirs. So the saying that your vibe attracts your tribe is right, but also your tribe affects your vibe. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure people have heard that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So that's why that's important is because it, it's impacting your vibration. But we can actually change what I call our energetic fingerprint, that energetic fingerprint that we put out into the world through visualizing and attaching the emotions to it. So when we really see ourselves, let's say you want to sell your first client at $10,000 and you visualize that call going well, firstly, it gives you that mental repetition. And I'll talk about what that does in a second. You get that mental repetition. But if you're feeling that feeling of like, I'm so grateful, I'm so honored that I get to be part of this person's journey. I'm excited that I get to help this person. I'm grateful and excited that I hit this milestone in my business. That will put out a different vibration into the world. And because dopamine is such a strong driving force, it also strengthens the neurological pathways in the brain to take more action to get that same result. So visualizing yourself achieving the goal will give you the same dopamine hit as you actually achieving the goal. And so visualizing that strengthens the neural pathways in the mind to go and take more action. So you're more likely to take action to go and get that thing. Now in the visual rehearsal, and I could go, like I could literally talk for hours on just visualization, so I'll cut it off after this. <laughs> um, there's been numerous studies done on mental rehearsal. So there was one mm. study done with basketball players where they had one group of basketball players physically shooting free throws every day, like 53 free throws a day. And then they had another group that were just visualizing themselves shooting 50 free throws a day. And if they made a mistake, then they would correct themselves. When they tested accuracy before and after the study, they found that those who were physically touching the balls their accuracy improved by 24% and the people just visualizing improved by 23%. There wow. was another study done with piano playing where they taught one group how to play the piano with their left hand and one group physically played the piano with their left hand and practiced every day for 30 days. The other group just visualized themselves playing and they measured before and after the area of the brain that controls left hand motor function and they found the same amount of increase in like brain cells and dendrites in that area in both groups. So that visual rehearsal can help you build what we know as like the muscle memory. Visually rehearsing can help you get there as well. Yeah. And just for clarification for those, because I'm den dendrite is not a term you hear very often. It's the little <laughs> imagine like uh it's Christmas time. So I'll use this example. Imagine all the little needles that hang off of one of the branches of one of the parts of the tree. Imagine those as the dendrites, but for the neurons inside of your brain, they're responsible for picking up and releasing different neurochemicals within the neurons at the end of the action potentials. Yeah. So every time we learn something new, our cells grow new dendrites. And that's why um, if somebody ever 
says like you're really dense, right? That's actually a compliment because it just means you have more dendrites. It's a neuroscience joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people inside the neuroscience realm don't really have a lot of great jokes. <laughs> they often I'm working do. on changing it. I like that. I like that a lot uh, because the most common one we hear is what wires together, fires together, or what fires together, wires together. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. You wanted to get into um, more of the mental rehearsal side of this too. Mm-hmm. With that, where do we, how I'm, I struggle because I see a lot of people that they get excited, right? We were able to motivate them. We're able to get the inspiration and then it falls flat within like two to three weeks. They're like, oh, screw this. It's not working. I'm not seeing the results, but it's, it's that daily effort, right? It's that daily, you can't just show up for the first two to three weeks. It's got to become part of a habit. It's got to be ritualized within your body. And one of the things I've noticed that's helped me with this is what are the consequences if I don't follow through with this? Or what am I going to sacrifice in order to make sure I can have what I want to have in that process? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you go back to, to what you were doing before, right? If you give into that temptation part of the hero's journey and go, well, this isn't working, I'm going to go back. I like to think of personal development like a road trip. So think that you're driving from New York to LA and you get to the Dakotas, right? You're driving through Nebraska. You're driving through what we typically consider to be the flyover states. You would never, while you're driving, go... <laughs> I've been driving for like a day. I'm not there yet. I'm going to turn around and go back, right? You would never think, well, I've been driving for 12 hours and I've seen nothing but cornfields. This is getting really boring. I'm going back because you're going to have to start from scratch to go again, but it actually gets harder to start every time because you've strengthened the neural pathway of giving up and going back. So now you're fighting what we call this superhighway. So think of the neural pathways in your brain like a trench. And so the deeper the trench, the stronger the flow of electricity, the more electricity can flow through that trench. And so every time you give up and you go back, you dig that trench a little bit deeper, plus you fill in the new trench that you've just started digging. And so you have to start from scratch, but it's like, instead of starting from New York, you're moving more and more out into the Atlantic ocean. And so now you're starting from a further away point. So you have to drive a longer distance now to hit LA, which was your original destination. And so I think it's important when people do their visualizations, not just to, to visualize the distant goal. Like if you're just starting a business, don't just visualize the seven figure mark, switch it up and have yourself visualize your day going well, or because ebbs and flows are going to happen, visualize yourself being able to handle anything that life throws at you for that day, right? Visualize yourself um, having a challenge because a lot of people just visualize the good and they don't visualize, okay, well, how am I going to get out of a negative situation? So visualize, you know, that angry client calling you or messaging you and then visualize yourself getting present, taking a nice deep breath and talking calmly with that person to resolve the situation. And when you start to do that and incorporate not just the long-term goals, but you achieving obstacles in the short term, then you actually will start to see results faster. The other thing that I would challenge is how do you know that you're not seeing results? Because a lot of people, 
they they don't ask themselves this. Yeah. And this, this is why in smart goals, the M is measurable. What does the outcome specifically look like? And in, in NLP, we talk about how do you contextualize this goal? So how do you know that you have it or what do results look like for you? And I tell my clients, be firm in the vision of what you want and flexible in how it shows up for you. Because so many people will attempt to control what the outcome looks like. And that that control actually puts them in a place of scarcity and, and it steers the success away from them. Mm. So, you know, I think it was Thomas Edison that said people often miss opportunity because it shows up in overalls, dressed in overalls and looks like work. So <sighs> if it doesn't show up in the box that you want it in, just be open to how it shows up for you, right? If you're looking for to hit seven figures in your business, be open to how that shows up for you because maybe it comes through a big corporate deal or maybe it comes through affiliates or maybe it comes through other opportunities that you hadn't even considered. So if you're adamant that you're not getting results, I would challenge you to figure out what does results look like and how do you know you're not getting them? Yeah, that was a... That was a really interesting shift for us. And we got to this point internally of having the joke of we pivot so much, it looks like we're dancing, but we're still, but the goal isn't, the goal is to not stop moving. I like that. Right. So it's, it's interesting. I I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know we're running towards the end of it and you've been super gracious with it. Where can people find you? How can they learn more about what you teach, how you coach, what are those programs and what does that look like and how they can get a hold of you? So the best place is probably to join my Facebook group. If you go to www.successsecretsgroup.com, I do a ton of free training in there every single week. I have morning episodes that go out in there just to challenge your thinking and to give you different tools and ways of looking at the world. So join us there. Otherwise, on my website, bluelotusmind.com, you can connect to me everywhere. I love it. Tiffany, thank you so much for being here today. Guys, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Just like we mentioned at the beginning, but if you happen to skip it, I'm going to hit you with it one more time, that if you enjoyed today, you found a nugget of wisdom, there was a ton in there. If you found any level of insight, please go leave us a review and subscribe on Apple iTunes. It means the world to our guests. It helps them get more eyeballs, earballs, however you want to get there, helps them get more attention and they actually rise up just with us. And remember, we all rise together. We will all succeed through this. So we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Thank <laughs> you.